welcome to the Retreat House Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. I've invited a friend to the table to share their story. Come and join us. Welcome to the table. We are in our series called What's Your Story? And Today's guest is, uh, I, I just, I can't wait to hear, I can't wait to hear all the story. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I can't wait. My guest today is Christy Sturkin, and I met her at on a field trip. Our children are in the orchestra together, and she and I were on a field trip, and the chaperones were eating lunch together, and she started telling her story of growing up in Europe, and, and then I, you know, leaned in a little bit, and it just felt like such a good story, and I we talked more and then she talked about what has been happening in her life recently and so then I immediately asked her to come on the podcast so I am so excited to welcome Christy to the podcast welcome Christy thank you I'm so glad you're here great to be here (laughs) so you are a French teacher and a mom I am what else can you tell us about you by way of introduction yeah uh those two things for sure I love being a mom, Mm -hmm. love being a French teacher, love hanging out with people. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely a people person, (laughs) love connecting with people. So this is perfect. Oh, good, good. So why don't we start with your story of you growing up in Europe? Because that was what first made me kind of want to lean in with, I mean, it was it was so fun. Every you were telling your story, and everybody at the table was kind of <laughs> leaning in a little bit to listen. Yeah. So, what a privilege it was to grow up in Europe. I think I didn't realize what a blessing it was at the mm-hmm. time. My so my parents are missionaries in a tiny, teeny, teeny, tiny country of Luxembourg, which is right between Germany, Belgium, and France. And a lot of people say, "Oh, yeah, you grew up in Germany. Cool." Uh, no. So it's its own country. Okay. Size of Rhode Island. Uh, half a million people live there. That's tiny. Yes, teeny, teeny, tiny. And we, I have two siblings. I'm the oldest of three. We all grew up, we all were born there, grew up there. Okay. So went through the Luxembourgish school system. I speak four languages, so you learn Luxembourgish when you're really little, and then start learning German in first grade and French in second, and then just continue it on. We have 13 grades, two years of kindergarten, so I just say I'm super smart because I went to so much school. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I think there were many, many times where I thought, I would love to live in America. It's so not cool to grow up in Europe. I, I, you know, but boy, what a privilege it was now, you know, looking back, I just think what a blessing it was to grow up there and how God's used it in my life is super cool. That is cool. Well, and and it's funny. I mean, whatever we have at the time when we're growing up, we always want something else. Right. Like I grew, I'm a blue eyed blonde and I <laughs> wanted brown hair and brown eyes Yep. <laughs> yep. and braces. Everybody had braces. I didn't have braces. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So then you are living in the United States. So how did you end up coming back to the States? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, Right before I graduated, I I would say a few years before I graduated, I knew that I did not want to keep studying in different languages, and I wanted to study in English. I love languages, but Mm -hmm. and I wanted to come back to the States and go to Bible college. So I went to a tiny little Bible college in West Virginia, they had a camping major, which was a huge draw. So I moved <laughs> from Luxembourg, which is the wealthiest per capita, the wealthiest country in the world, to West Virginia. Which Culture is not. Shock. Right, right. Nope. <laughs> and uh, the, the school where I went was totally in the hollers of West Virginia. So great, really great experience that way too, but d- challenging. Majored in camping. And like camping as a ministry or just straight up camping? Yep. So a little bit of each. So okay. when you, um, that's your major and you graduate, you can become a camp director. So we also had oh, business okay. classes and mm-hmm. learned how to run a camp, but took a lot. Uh, we were whitewater rafting guides in the summer, mountain biking, hiked the Appalachian Trail, uh, rock climbed, all wow. kinds of super, super fun <laughs> classes, went caving. It was, it was great. For it really your was class, great. for your class. That's yes, amazing. got credit. Yeah. Got credit for all of that. <laughs> and then when I graduated, I realized, you know what? I am so social and most camps are not in the middle of uh, social mm-hmm. areas, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So they're very in the middle of nowhere. And I realized, you know what? There's no way I could work at a camp. But so I do not regret it for a minute and so cool how God used it to, um, I met my husband doing my internship at a camp. My 
the end of my sophomore year of college. Okay. Met my husband, Dan, at a camp. We were both counselors and then um, used tons of things I learned in college. Uh, he was a, ended up being a youth pastor, so he used okay. tons of that in youth ministry for 15 years. And then during that time is when I realized, oh, you know what? I need to go back to school uh, for my education degree because I did some subbing and realized, wow, I love teaching. Mm-hmm. I love teenagers and I love teaching language. So I ended up with two bachelors, okay. actually. <laughs> so you are super smart. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, yeah. so then you met your husband, Dan, your sophomore year. So then did you get married right out of college? So we, um, when I met my husband, Dan, we met at a camp in Michigan okay. called Lake Ann. Best, one of the best camps in the mm-hmm. world. And um, I, I'm not biased at all. <laughs> so we met there and then um, he was living in Chicago. And I was still living in West Virginia. So we dated long distance for about three years, okay. two and a half years. When That's I graduated, yeah, it was. Yeah, we saw each other, you know, it was before cell phones. And right. So we would talk or on... Skype or... Right. Yeah. Yeah, we would talk on free phone Fridays. He had this deal where you could talk on the phone for free. So we'd talk on the phone for five or six hours every mm-hmm. Friday night, you know. <laughs> uh, and then... Um, he would come see me maybe once a month we would see each other. We were okay. 10, 10 hours apart, so it was pretty far. Mm-hmm. When I graduated from college, I moved to Chicago where he was living because we knew we had to live in the same city for a, you know, a while, right. you know, because mm-hmm. we were always on vacation when mm-hmm. we were together. Right, right. So we wanted to make sure that we did some real life together too. So we did that, mm-hmm. got engaged that spring, and then got married that summer. Okay. So this yeah. is after you graduated from college? Correct. So like a yep. year later. Okay. Yep. So we got married in 2002. Okay. And then when, where were you, uh, where was he a youth pastor? So then we got married August 17th in, in Michigan where he's from. And then okay. we moved, we went on a month-long honeymoon to Ireland, England, Wales, and uh, ended it in Luxembourg, where I grew up, with a second reception in Luxembourg, which was super great. Gosh, Who has could... a month for their honeymoon, right? right. Okay, it's and great. You, have to, you need to know this about me. I love all things British. Yes. And for my 40th birthday, I went to Ireland, Scotland, and England. So we oh. could, like, so go on a tangent cool. right we now. We could, we could. Yeah. Okay, yep. so you did a second reception in Luxembourg we with did. all your friends and family there. Yep. Okay. And then came back in September 17th. He started in Wausau, Wisconsin as a youth pastor. Oh, okay. So that's how we ended up in Wausau and lived there for 15 years. And wow. when we moved there, I felt like he was super connected with people already because he'd gone on some summer trips with some of the teens. And I felt like, I know nobody. <laughs> Dan knows everybody and I don't know anybody. So I was looking for a job. And then through some connections, started subbing, and I got some long-term sub positions in different school districts in Wausau. Um, ended up teaching German for a semester, okay. ended up doing some long-term subbing in German and French, and realized, boy, this is, you know, this mm-hmm. is why I love this stuff. And actually got hired in a school district to teach French um, without, without being licensed to teach. <clears throat> but they said, just get your, as long as you work toward your certification, we'll hire you. So we did. We did that. I was actually pregnant with my first daughter, Abby, at the time, and then worked for a little while. And then I took, I actually took 10 years to finish my, to get my second bachelor's in education. So it's great. It was totally the way to do it. Teaching and a mom and right. Right. Yep. (laughs) Very busy. Yep. So then, so Abby is your oldest, and Abby, I think, is the one that's in the orchestra with Charlie. That's right. Is that correct? Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you have a total of three children. So when did your other two come along? Yep. So Abby will be 14 in a couple of days, and then Lauren is 11, mm-hmm. and Titus is 7. Okay. So throughout that whole time, I was working towards my degree, helping in youth ministry a ton. When Abby was born, we just would haul her everywhere and, you know, mm-hmm. do do stuff with the teens and... I just loved it. And then when I was teaching, I really loved the combination of hanging out with the teens at church and youth group and seeing them in school mm. and then just kind of having that extra layer of accountability and relationship. And really those teens during that time are the ones that I'm still closest to now mm. to this day. And that was 17 years ago that we started in, in Wasa. So wow, pretty cool. So then what was that like balancing? Not It's not a balance. It's just <laughs> there's no right. balance. That's such right. a lie. Um, so how did you do that, being a mom and being a mom of three and teaching? And, doing, and, and there are also some special circumstances too. 
Right. So with Abby, you know, I said we kind of we took her everywhere with us with the teens. She was she was kind of part of the youth group in a way. Uh, It's funny. And then we got pregnant with Lauren and no, no issues at all. No problem. Um, When I was delivering her, there were a lot of uh, red flags and the doctor made some poor decisions in that whole situation. Okay. And she ended up being oxygen deprived for at least 10 minutes, we think probably 15. And when she was born, she was seizing, she was blue, um, she was almost dead. It was amazing that she and I actually survived the delivery. Oh my goodness. So that led us down a whole different path. Man, that's a whole different, you know, a whole nother story really. Mm -hmm. But God totally changed, I feel like, um, the trajectory of our lives at that point and worked in a lot of different areas to make me more content being being a mom and being a wife and not looking for I would look for accolades at work and just feel mm-hmm. more like accomplished and and everything by you know things people would tell me as far as you're a great teacher and you're mm-hmm, you're mm-hmm. awesome at French and things like that like that's right. how how I was filled up mm-hmm. so the lord was was kind of peeling that away and saying you know what this is what I have for you right now and so I took a, I took a chunk of time off I I stopped teaching a mm-hmm. little bit before that actually and then took some time off with my you know furthering my degree and everything too and just was really working on how can I peel those layers away and and be right. thankful for the job that God's given me and figure out how do I take care of a kid with disabilities. So mm-hmm. because Lauren was oxygen deprived at birth, um, she has cerebral palsy. So she wasn't premature. She was actually a week late. Okay. Um, but just because of her lack of oxygen, she was stuck in the birth canal and the doctor did not do a C-section fast enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so her she was in the NICU for two weeks. Abby at the time was three years old. Uh, so we were navigating all that. And the first year of Lauren's life was just brutal. We, mm-hmm. She never slept. We never slept. She ended up being G-tube fed and she we'd feed her and then she'd puke everything up. And so it was just this exhausting year for sure of our lives where mm-hmm. I, I don't even remember a ton of it. Mm-hmm. You're just um, surviving, just trying right. to get to the next minute. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But what a blessing to be so surrounded by people uh, we had people who would come and spend the night at our house just so we could sleep, and mm-hmm. they would stay up with Lauren. We had meals. We had we were so surrounded with people. We've just been surrounded our our entire lives, which mm-hmm. is amazing. Such mm-hmm. a blessing from the Lord to to be taken care of that way. So then, when Lauren was four, you had Titus. Yes, yes. So okay. um, we we felt like we will never have any more children. I mean, mm-hmm. this is good. Like God, you know, we always thought we'd have four. Mm-hmm. And then we thought, okay, this is the way God's telling us two is good. And then, but then when Lauren got a little older, she became a little more stable and easy, quote unquote, easier right. to take care of. And we just felt like, yep, God definitely wants us to have one more. So we were, we consulted with the doctors and they said, yeah, we'll just watch you really, really closely. And we need to do a, an early C-section and you can have Titus. So, uh, well, you know, you can have another baby. So we ended up having Titus, and he was born actually three weeks early, which was hilarious okay. because the other two were late. <laughs> and um, we had a C-section, and he was in the NICU for a week, which wasn't a big deal. He just what his lungs weren't developed yet. But okay. because we'd walk that with Lauren, you know, not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And he's just been such a fun little addition to our family. He's currently seven and just a little a little spark plug, and it's so fun to have a little boy. <laughs> So then how did you, because you're in Wausau, Wisconsin, and now you're in the Twin Cities in Minnesota. How did you, how did that, or what made that change happen? Right. that move? So we were in youth ministry for about 14 years, and God had just moved in the church, and one of our pastors had left to go to a different ministry. We were in a time of transition, and both Dan and I separately were kind of thinking, you know what, we, the church is in a time of transition, and we feel like God is moving in our lives too and and something. So we were both praying individually about what what is that? Mm-hmm. What what does that kind of look like? And I just felt like uh God was saying to me pursue pursue something internationally. Now, okay. 
I didn't know what that looked like. I knew with Lauren, we'd kind of looked into that before, and, and she can't get a, a visa to go overseas with all of her medical issues. She's tube-fed. She's nonverbal. She's in a wheelchair. There's okay. no way a developing a developed country would take her on. Okay. Developing countries would let her in, but we would not get medical care there. Right. So really, God totally shut the door to that. And then um, I think I feel like the Lord was leading us to say, you know, the nations are coming here. Why do you mm-hmm. need to go somewhere else? Mm-hmm. And the whole thing of being content, right? I told right. you that it was a struggle to be content in Luxembourg at times. Mm-hmm. And now being content here, I'm saying, you know, I should go overseas. Why am I being, you know, <laughs> I don't want to be too comfortable in America. But God was saying, they're they're coming here. And why are you trying to go somewhere else? Stay mm-hmm. here. So, and the Lord is doing the same thing in Dan's life. And we just happened one night to talk about that and thought it was so interesting that we were kind of both thinking the same thing. So uh, through a series of, you know, steps, we decided to, um, we looked into some different campus ministries. Okay. And found a ministry called Campus Outreach and talked with them and realized, you know, we could move to uh, Washington, D.C. or Minneapolis Mm -hmm. and thought, you know what? I think D.C. would be a bit of a rat race for us right now. And East Coast, not sure we are ready to go to the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And just lots of different things felt like, you know what, Minnesota would be great. So went over there, interviewed, talked to people, prayed, and ended up there. This is our third school year here in, in Minnesota. Okay. And was that at the University of Minnesota? Yes. Okay. Yep. University of Minnesota. So our role when we moved here two years ago was working with international students, mostly at the University of Minnesota. Also some at St. Thomas, but mostly at the U. Okay. And then you're a teacher now. Did you start teaching right when you moved here? Yeah, so that was interesting. So we knew Campus Outreach, Minnesota, really wanted to live close to campus. But Mm -hmm. then again, with a wheelchair and all of that, um, moving from kind of small town, Wisconsin, Owasa, Mm -hmm. to big city. Dan and I were both city people but our kids aren't used to that. We weren't sure that that was the best for them. So we kind of looked into housing in Minneapolis and then Dan saw a posting for a uh, teaching one French class and said, would you want to apply to teach one class a day? And I said, you know what? Not really, but part-time would be great to start off with. And I Mm -hmm. bet if I applied for that, I'd get my foot in the door. So I called them, got an interview, got hired right away at the end of the interview. And uh, thought, okay. So we honestly kind of pointed at a map and said, boom, I think that's where we need to live. Mm-hmm. And uh, we thought, you know what? After I got hired, we were looking into the district and saw, wow, it's a great district. Our mm-hmm. kids should go there. So we ended up moving so we could be in the district so Lauren could be bused okay. to school and well, totally God's leading. Well, an amazing program, programming too, for students, yes. with students who have special needs, with students all like... I'm constantly amazed, yes. actually, Yes, <laughs> at the I district agree. in that respect. I agree. It's yeah. such a blessing to be here. Yep. Oh, good. Yeah. So then you moved here in 2017? I think so, yes. Okay. 2017. So this is the third, 17, 18, 18. No, it must no, have been a little 16. easier. 16. 2016. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, and your life changed again the summer of 2018. Is that, or it was sure it before did. that? sure did. So, okay. again... God, I hope we see the whole, the theme of this story is God, God is just at work all the time. You know, mm-hmm. I know he's at work in my life and I, I, right now I see it in real time, which is just amazing. I, I look back at my life and just think, wow, I just see this huge string of God's faithfulness throughout my entire life. And I'm reminded of when I was in college. I remember one night I was just, I don't remember what the circumstances were around us, but I, mm-hmm. I prayed to the Lord and I said, Lord, please don't give me an easy, comfortable life. And That uh, is a brave prayer. <laughs> That's a brave prayer. <laughs> I did not know what I was praying for. And, you know, in a lot of ways, Angie, I am so comfortable and my life is easy. I'm assuming most people would look at my life and say, you are crazy. Like, how can you say that? But again, it's because we are we have been so surrounded mm-hmm. our entire lives by people mm-hmm. and people who have blessed us in amazing ways. And been what God the church used. is supposed to be. Exactly. To each other. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. So through a series of circumstances, we ended up finding out that Dan had colon cancer. Mm-hmm. So this would have been... Um, what is it now? 2019. 19. So 2017 in September, September 18th, 2017, 
he had a colonoscopy or no, he was, he went in and they thought he had hemorrhoids. He ended up having a quite large tumor in his colon. Okay. And uh, the doctors decided they would do chemo and radiation. It was localized in his colon. And then in June of 2018, he would have surgery. And we decided, you know, uh, we're in a great spot. They have great care here for that. We will do that. Mm -hmm. So he ended up doing chemo, radiation. Last year at this time, he was still doing chemo and radiation. It was an awful winter of him having a lot of neuropathy and just, Mm. oh, it it was so rough. And then fast forward to the summer, June of 2018, he had surgery to remove whatever was left of the tumor. And before the surgery, they did some scans and... The day before surgery, his oncologist called and said, can you please come in an hour early, uh, you know, before your scheduled surgery time, I would like to meet with you. And right at that point, Dan and I knew this is not good news. The doctor's going to tell us that he's terminal. We just, we knew it. But Dan, so I, I always say I'm a realist. Dan was a total optimist. He's like, well, maybe he wants to meet with me to talk about it. I'm, Dan, it's, no, that's not why, you know. <laughs> so he went in. Dan was very much surgery mode, like, we're going to get this out. And and, uh, and the doctor, right when we walked in, I knew, yep. So the doctor said, the scans showed that the cancer has spread to your spine and one of the, the sides of your lung, mm. and uh, that's not good. And Dan said, okay, what does that mean? And the doctor said, you know, if we thought you had two more months to live, we wouldn't do surgery right now to remove the tumor, but... We're still going to go ahead with surgery. You're in a lot of pain, and we need to just do that. So mm-hmm. I was a complete wreck that I, day. It, it was... Because you get that news, and then your husband goes into surgery. Right. Yep. Oh so uh, it was awful. It, it was a very, very dark day for me. But it, in the darkness, I remember calling my grandpa. He lives in Pennsylvania. He's in his mm-hmm. 90s. And he was the first person I called. And I just, I, I remember saying to him, this is so yucky, but I know God is good and I know God's going to get us through it and I know he's going to be faithful, but this is so hard. So it was great to talk with him and he's just, he was so encouraging and, you know, we're going to pray for you. I'm so sorry this is happening. Just mm-hmm. a great, great mm-hmm. reminding me of, of the truth. So Dan went through surgery. Re- they removed the tumor. Such a blessing. It, he took him about a month to recover, but he was in a lot less pain And, you know, for that. Um, And then they decided to do some really, really heavy chemo. So surgery in June, recovered through July. And then we had scheduled to go to a family, a special needs family camp, a Johnny and Friends camp in Mm. August. Mm -hmm. He was healthy enough to do that. Not He felt like junk all the time. Actually, he looked great. So people would always say, you look so great. Mm. And people would pop in and visit. People would come from Wisconsin and just pop in, you know, to visit at our house. And, oh, Mm. it seems like Dan's doing so well. And I'm like, I wish you could just live with us for a day or two and really see. Because he would put on such a brave front. He looked fine. He wasn't Mm -hmm. losing his hair. He was thin, but not overly Mm -hmm. thin. And so that was the frustrating part for me saying, can you just kind of act like you always do, you know, when people are here? Because they're not getting the real picture. And I felt like I was kind of painting a different picture of how what reality was really like. And then when people would see him, they'd say, oh, well, he's not doing that badly. Mm-hmm. So that was an interesting that would be hard thing to yeah. navigate. Mm-hmm. So the treatment he was having after the surgery that was trying to take care of the cancer in his spine and in his lung? Yes. Okay. That's right. So that, uh, we had a few rounds of that, and we just, you know, in July, he had a bump on his head, and he thought maybe it was just a zit or something, and Mm -hmm. he actually asked a nurse who was coming by once a week and just said, what, I found this bump on my head, what do you think that is? And she said, oh yeah, it's probably just a something, you know, from chemo or something, it'll go away. Well, it got bigger and bigger and bigger and dance. And then he started, he found one on his knee, found one on his belly. They just started appearing everywhere. And they ended up, honestly, they looked like craters. Some of them, they were so, so big. Mm -hmm. Um, He had one on his jaw and his lip, and it was just growing, growing, growing. So this colon cancer was so rare and so yucky. We ended up going to Mayo, and they said, we have never seen anything like this before. Mm -hmm. I think the guy, the doctor had seen it in one other person. So it was 
Was in that the way, cancer metastasizing yes. all over? Okay. Yep. In a way, it was a blessing because he did not have to have scans all the time because we said, mm-hmm. yep, the cancer is spreading and growing. And he ended up, they were everywhere, tumors everywhere. But what a guy, Angie. He, he never complained. He wow. was in so much pain all the time, and he never once complained. He would wake up in the morning sometimes and say, my back hurts today. Mm-hmm. And I know what that meant. You know, mm-hmm. I'm in excruciating pain. Toward the end of his life, he, he could just, I mean, the last two, two or three months of his life, he had to be in bed because he could not be in any comfortable position. Mm-hmm. So uh, we did end up going to that family camp, and then after that, um, things just really went downhill. I feel like he was trying to, you know, keep keep himself together in a way so he could make it to that. And then, okay. then he really declined in October. Uh, towards the end of October, he ended up going to the emergency room and then admitted to the hospital, and he never, never came home mm-hmm. after that. But we had also had some connections um, through Campus Outreach that connected us to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. Okay. So we ended up going to a Vikings practice, which was so great, met Kirk Cousins. That was when Dan was in the hospital. We pulled him out of the hospital on a Saturday. The nurses, he totally, that was his rally day. You know, Mm -hmm. they say Mm -hmm. people at the end of their lives Mm -hmm. rally. The nurses prepped him on Friday. I thought he was going to die on Friday. He was just so crazy. I mean, crazy and hallucinating and Mm. it was awful. But then Saturday, it was wonderful. We picked him up at the hospital. His brothers were in town from Michigan visiting. We all got in the van and took him over to the practice facility. And I said, I looked over at him and I said, Dan, this is like a normal Saturday. We're we're like going to do something as a family. And he just mm-hmm. sat there and he didn't, he wasn't talking a whole lot at that point. He had huge tumors on his mouth and his jaw that just were preventing him from talking mm-hmm. or anything. And um, what a beautiful day. He said some beautiful things to Kirk and Kirk Cousins. And they, they've just been a blessing to us since. And then the mm-hmm. next day, uh, we went to the game. It was a, a Vikings-Lions game, which okay. is funny. And because um, Dan, you know, grew up mm-hmm, in Michigan. Michigan. Mm-hmm. And Dan was not able to go. He he had to go back to the hospital right away after the, the Saturday event. And then, yep. Um, but the kids and I went. We took another, a friend along. And it was, it was such a great day. So my kids mm-hmm. and I will always remember that day as a, as a great thing at the end of Dan's life. And mm-hmm. then he ended up living about another week. Okay. And then ended up passing away. And that's in October. He passed away. Uh, November twelfth. Okay. He passed away. Yep. I did not realize it was that recent because you and I met in December. So it was. Yes. I'm not even sure if it was a month since he had passed away. I'm not sure it was. I think you're right. I th- I bet it was three weeks. How are mm-hmm. so? How are you? How are you functioning? Is really <laughs> the question I want to ask. Yes. Yeah, so you know. This is so interesting, Angie. Uh, grief is an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. I have lots of theories about it now as I've, I've walked through some of it. I think it's kind of a, an, an over-analyzed thing. And people, you know, you need to grieve and you need to go through this process and everything. I'm not disagreeing with that, but I feel like it's a little bit... It's, it's just different, I guess, than than a lot of people think, maybe who haven't walked it in the same way. Mm-hmm. So the grieving for me started for sure, I think when Dan was diagnosed for sure, but then in June when he was diagnosed mm-hmm. as terminal, through through his death, that was so yucky. I don't know how I did it. God, period. Right. Mm-hmm. That's it. People. The God, prayer, the period, prayer, people, yeah, period. The, the prayers of people. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. totally. I mm-hmm. say that to my kids all the time. If people weren't praying for us, we would not be here right now. Mm-hmm. We would not be where we're at right now. So that was yucky, seeing Dan have to be in so much pain and walking through all this yuckiness. When God, I feel like God led us to Minnesota to work with international students and to be a blessing to them. Yes, mm-hmm. he did. But you know what? That is the vehicle God used to lead us to Minnesota. Think God brought us here for care for Lauren and really great care for Dan. Mm-hmm. And because Dan had cancer and God allowed that in his life, what a blessing he was to these international students. Oh my goodness. They they showed up to his funeral and seeing seeing how he responded to this yucky thing in his life is what 
drew them to the Lord mm-hmm. and drew not, you know, they're not, they haven't all been drawn to the Lord, but they, uh, they saw something in him where they said, there's something about him and I want to know what that is and how can he be joyful and peaceful during this time? So sorry, I forgot what your question was. <laughs> how are you functioning? Oh yes. But before yes. you go on that, we had a, we had someone that worked with our high school group at church for decades and she was diagnosed with lung cancer Hmm. and and it was terminal and she said if i can't show these students how to live then i will show them how to die oh yes which it sounds like what dan did yes yes he definitely did Mm -hmm. for sure so as i look back i don't know it's it's not a blur it really isn't i remember lots of things and i'm trying to journal Mm-hmm. A lot of those things too. And and what a blessing too. I, I feel like there were so many blessings in it and so much joy even in the grief. People were able to write Dan messages about how he's impacted their lives. Who has that? You know, pe- mm-hmm. people don't usually have that opportunity before they die. So his he was so encouraged and blessed, and me too, and our kids as well before he passed away. That was amazing. I have lots of support at my school. People are helping with the kids. I think actually having a daughter with disabilities has made this whole journey easier Mm -hmm. because we have a lot of, um, they're called PCAs, personal care assistants, who are at our home helping take care of her. So really, if I'm not able to be back from work in time, there is an adult around really for all the kids Mm -hmm. to, to be there. Um, So we, and we have different, we have transportation, you know, places. And I mean, it's just, it really has worked out interestingly because mm-hmm. we have Lauren and then I think the the day Dan passed away when I got the call it was seven o'clock at night we were cleaning up from dinner the phone rang I didn't recognize the number and I thought yep this is it um we he was in a hospice home and we'd been going every day at the end for, for dinner basically we'd been showing up and going to visit Dan and it was a great setting because Titus could go play in the playroom. And if he didn't want to be around Dan, he didn't have to be. At that point, Dan was basically sleeping with his eyes open is what it looked like. Mm-hmm. And um, a bit responsive when we would talk, we would always talk to him and read to him and things. He would raise his eyebrows at, at different times that were significant. Mm-hmm. But he looked really rough. And uh, Titus didn't want to be around that. Lauren wanted to be there holding his hand the entire time. Mm-hmm. And Abby would kind of just hang out right next to him. Mm-hmm. So doing that days, day after day was brutal. He went in on a Thursday. We visited Thursday night. We visited Friday night. We visited Saturday night. We visited Sunday night. And every time I'm saying, okay, say goodbye to Pa. We called him Pa. This mm-hmm. might be your last time. And it, oh, it, it was, it was brutal. It, it was brutal, as one of my mm-hmm. friends says, mm-hmm. brutal, beautiful that we could do this. But brutal at the same time not knowing will there be tomorrow hopefully there won't be just go go see jesus it's okay we will be fine mm-hmm. um well and dealing with grief is your own grief is one thing but dealing with the grief of your children right is a whole nother thing right too mm-hmm. so when we got the call fast forward to what rabbit i rabbit trailed <laughs> we got the call monday night at seven i went oh, on the phone and the hospice nurse was crying when she called me I said, I am so thankful or something like that. And she, are you, you know, she was kind of baffled by my response. And mm-hmm. I, sa- I said, I'm so thankful that he's finally with Jesus. And, and then I, I hung up and the kids, you know, heard, heard what I was saying. And they too, I could visibly see them just, oh, just sigh with relief. Mm-hmm. Oh, praise the Lord. And so honestly, that feeling of relief and, and joy that we will see him again and mm-hmm. he's with Jesus and he's healed has really been kind of has cons- has been consistent through the last few months. Mm-hmm. We've had rough days. I've had several rough days for sure, but so much joy in it and and so much joy that we don't have that extra layer of worrying about Dan and taking care of Dan and making sure that he's getting to his appointments and being taken mm-hmm. care of. And the kids really are doing well. We have been seeing a counselor since uh, this summer, and she's been such a blessing in our mm-hmm. lives, just helping us navigate, you know, what what do we do? How do we process and talk about this? And it's been really, really helpful for all of us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not even sure, really sure to go, where to go from there. Um, I, But I, I get that 
that bittersweet release of like it's it's over yes it's done yes mm-hmm. and it's better for them right for him for sure mm-hmm. yep yeah yeah and I know the ages that our kids are I know a lot of processing will continue to happen as they go into their late teens and college I know that there will be things that come up that are you know that will mm-hmm. will have to face then but trusting God for that too I love the verse, Psalm 66, 5, come and see what God has done, how great are his works on man's behalf. Mm. And that is the story that I want to keep telling our children. Look at what God has done in your lives. And actually, I did tell Abby that story the other day. Well, a few months ago, it was January. I said to her, we were on our way to Mall of America for a concert. And I said, I want you to think about three big events in your life that were super yucky seemingly right humanly super yucky Mm -hmm. they are first of all when your sister was born that you know that was kind of yucky she said no 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 that wasn't yucky lauren is awesome and you know Mm -hmm. and i said you know what you are exactly right abby lauren is amazing she is such a blessing to our family and she has brought so much glory to god Mm -hmm. but when she was born we thought this was the death of a dream we did not Mm -hmm. know this was going to happen you know and we kind of processed that together and then secondly our move to Minnesota, that could seem super yucky because she was in a school, she had friends, she had friends at church, she was she had a life there, and then we're kind of pulling her out of her life there and moving her here. And again, mm-hmm. she had some arguments, oh, it's been great to be in Minnesota, and I'm so glad she has that great outlook. And then I said, the third thing is your dad dying. That's yucky. You know, we never wanted that. We would, we want him, we would want him back here with us in a heartbeat, but God Look at what God has done through all of these things. So we're talking about the yucky and then saying, come and see what God has done Mm. through this. Mm -hmm. And so just helping. And she had some things that she could say, like, this is what God's doing. This is what God has done. Mm -hmm. So always telling them that story in the yucky, in their processing in the future. And myself, you know, Mm -hmm. look at God's faithfulness through Mm -hmm. the whole thing. I talked to someone a few weeks ago about grief and loss. And she said, when she was walking through her grief, some she had listened to a podcast or a pastor sermon. And he said, when you're in the midst of grief, open your hands and say, God, how do you want to meet me in this? Mm-hmm. Instead of railing at God, which is what I did in my grief. <laughs> and I really appreciated the way, I mean, and it sounds like that's what you're doing too, being open-handed and saying, okay, God, what, how do you, how are you going to move and trusting right. that he will? Right. Yeah. Yep, and I think I mentioned before that I've always seen God's faithfulness in the past and can look back and say, wow, look what God did through mm-hmm. that. And But lately, since, through Dan's illness and death, I've seen God at work in real time mm-hmm. in so many ways, even tiny. Like, say, okay, what was it the other day? It was, you know how sometimes you have this big bill that comes and then the next day you get a check for almost the mm-hmm. same amount? Mm-hmm. Well, in this case, it was we got a check from not even a friend, like somebody I have not seen and don't really know, somebody I haven't seen in probably 30 years and don't really know that well, got this check in the mail and I thought, wow, what a cool blessing. And then the next day or two days later, we got a medical bill from Dan's stuff Mm -hmm. for almost the identical amount. Mm. So those kinds of things. That Um, that the check came first. The check came first. Not the bill. Right, Right. exactly. Mm -hmm. So we... um, during Dan's illness, he kind of coined these things as God winks. Mm-hmm. So little things that would happen, he'd say, that's a God wink. And we started, we wrote, we had a huge piece of paper that we stuck to Dan's closet door and we would start writing all these God winks mm-hmm. on it. Even down to one day, Titus, um, I knew Titus just needed some time with me. So we went through the Dairy Queen drive through and, uh, we're you know getting our ice cream and the person said the person in front of you paid just paid for you you don't have to pay Mm. and it had been an awful day I think the car broke down there were multiple things that had happened that day that were really hard and Titus said after that he said wow it's been a really hard day but this is really cool that this happened I said exactly God wink right there. Mm-hmm. So a friend ended up getting us um, kind of a God wink tree. So she broke off some branches and stuck them in a pot. And we have that tree in our living room right now. And she gave us these tags. 
And on tags, we write when we, when we have mm-hmm. a God wink in our lives. We put it right on the tag and hang it on our tree. And that tree is going to sit in our living room for a long time. It's a great big, huge Ebenezer. Remembrance of what God has done. It is. That's beautiful. Yep. So then what has life been like in the last several months since since he passed? I mean, you talked a little bit about walking with a counselor yes. through your grief and the way that God is still showing up. Yep. So uh, at the top of this, this Godwink tree mm-hmm. is a tag that initially I put on there with just a little N on it mm-hmm. because um, I knew what that tag meant, but you know, nobody else really knew. So in January, I got a text from a friend saying, hey, Christy, you should check out this. Um, I have this this friend. His wife passed away from a seven-year breast cancer journey about mm. three years ago. And I think you would be really encouraged by reading his his posts on CaringBridge and, and his, his former wife's posts. But if it's too much for you, don't read it. I'm like, oh, it's not too much. I feel like I'm in a good place. I love reading what other people have to say. So I looked at this Caring Bridge, and there were tons of posts, just beautiful, great perspective and wonderful, and just thought, wow, this is really cool. And actually, I'd heard of this person. His name is Norman Hubbard. Mm. And somebody in November had sent me a letter saying, hey, we've paid for your family to attend Forest Springs Camp this summer uh, for a family camp for a week because... The speaker, his name is Norman Hubbard, and his wife passed away from cancer three years ago, and we think you'd be blessed by hearing him speak. Wow, cool, okay. Uh, That would be wonderful. We should totally do that. So I actually looked at my calendar, thought, oh yeah, we can do that that week in July, and uh, saw the bio of Norman, and yeah, cool, okay. Wow, sounds like a neat guy. And then actually I'd heard his name then mentioned a few times before I got this this Caring Bridge link in, Janu- mm-hmm. in uh, January. When so we're I- talking about July to come. July to, to come, come. Okay. exactly, yes. So I um, then lo- looked at the Caring Bridge and thought, huh, Norman Hubbard, that's that, that's that guy again, Norman Hubbard. So looked, you know, looked at his Caring Bridge and looked at some, just some of the posts. And then a few weeks later, somebody had said to me, hey, we have a Caring Bridge too, Dan and I did, and mm-hmm. – uh, said, hey, have you um, looked at your comments on Caring Bridge? People are, you know, comment on what you post. And I thought, you know, actually, I don't really look at the comments. I just post and think, oh, the world mm-hmm. knows what's going on. Cool. Right. So I went back and was reading some of the comments and was really encouraged. And I saw one from Norman Hubbard and thought, <laughs> there he is again. His mm-hmm. name keeps coming up. So I, it was a beautiful comment. And I thought, I need to friend him on Facebook and thank him for the comment. So I did that, thanked him for the comment, and he accepted my friend request, and we just kind of went back and forth a little bit mm-hmm. on there. Because who can get what you've walked through more than someone who's walked through a similar journey? Exactly, mm-hmm. yes. And I, everything he said, I connected with. And and it was so, the other thing I'd mentioned to a friend, it was so nice talking to a guy about this, because mm. I felt like I had only talked to females about it, which was great. But there then is so much emotion involved. And I just, I felt like it was nice talking to somebody who could see it just kind of plainly and as it was. Mm -hmm. It was just very, more of a kind of a practical way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. He also had some distance too from when his wife had passed. Exactly. Yep. So then, honestly, the rest is history. Um, We have been, we very shortly after that, we're writing back and forth on Facebook for uh, hours mm-hmm. and then we texted a little bit and then we called and then we he lives in Wisconsin so then he came here and met me here and then our kids met and God has we have just been praying for open doors if this is what God wants to happen there will be many open doors and there have been so many open doors I know it is only March but mm-hmm. um it will be it is a huge God's story. And um, I'm really excited for how God's going to use it. Mm -hmm. And we were just there this last weekend. And he has four kids, three, uh, two in college, one going to college next year, and then one going into sixth grade next year. Great family. He lives really close to his in-laws and then his brother and sister-in-law. So Katie, his former wife's 
family. Okay. He's lived there for the last three years, and they've been a blessing to him. And they have totally welcomed me and my kids with open arms. Before Dan died, so all through our marriage, Dan said to me, I'm going to die before you, and you need to get remarried. Mm. And I said, how could I? How could... There is no other guy like you out there. There is nobody who could love me well and lead me like you do. Mm-hmm. There absolutely isn't. And he said, yep, there, there is, and there will be, and God will bring that person to you. And it was almost like a joke, but I think he he thought he was going to die when he was 70 and I'd live to be 100. I mean, he always mm-hmm. said, you're going to live to be 100. You're so healthy and all that. So then, you know, when he was diagnosed as terminal, he said, you, you need to get remarried. And I, you know, I totally release you to that. He actually didn't tell me this, but some of the the guys that he was closer to, he said, also, there is no time frame on this. If Christy meets somebody right away and God is in it, that is, you go, you know, make sure she goes for it. Because I tend to be more independent. I've got this. I've got my Mm -hmm. tribe around me helping Mm me. Mm -hmm. I'm good. God and I and people, we can do this. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was the plan. I felt very, very confident in God has us here working at Moundsview. I know that I'm going to just, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to keep working here. I'm going to get the kids through high school. And then when they go to college, you know, Abby and Titus go to college, Lauren and I will figure something out. We'll move downtown to a a high rise and hang out or something. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know. But that was very, very clear in my mind. And then in January, when God brought Norman into my life, I thought, okay, I think I need to start praying about this and see, (laughs) see what happens. So it is, the kids are completely on board. The kids respect Norman. Yeah. Um, our families, I feel like if we went, if we were in the same circles and went to the same church, we would be friends and hanging out. Mm-hmm. Our kids connect well. They've they've really accepted us and, and rallied around us. And it's been an amazing God story. Only God could do something like this. Mm-hmm. So I'm so thankful for how God you know, Dan just totally released us to this in in a great way. He was very, very not selfish about it. Generous, you know. Yes, very generous, and and he that's just the kind of guy that that he was. And I know he would be such good friends with Norman if he was alive. And I I can just see him too in heaven going, "Go for it, you you go for it." Like mm-hmm. this is a really great thing. That is beautiful. Thank you, thank you so much for coming and coming on and sharing that and I what I appreciate most is your your trust and your faith and perspective of of how God is moving Hmm. through your whole story yeah and I mean the conversation that you had with Abby about the yucky and God moving is um apparently I needed to hear that because I'm bawling (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, I just, I really, really appreciate that. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Um, a little bit of a shift. There are questions I ask all of my guests when they come on the podcast. Sure. The first question is, this is called Retreat House Podcast. So how do you retreat? Is it a place? Is it a practice? I'm especially interested, too, with your story and what you've had to walk through. How do you, how do you retreat with God Yes. in the midst of that? So... Two things I would say, and those things have changed. I running is a huge part of my mm-hmm. life, and when Dan was sick, running for me and running for me, I would say, is a retreat with God for sure. Mm-hmm. It has been for a long time. That's I turn on worship music and I pray, and it's it's just a great you know release of endorphins, and it, it's so great physically and it's so great spiritually for me. When Dan was diagnosed as terminal. I would run and ball. Mm-hmm. And you can't run and ball because you can't breathe, right, right. Angie? It's and I know right. you're training for yes. a marathon, yes. which is amazing. <laughs> so for me, running got really yucky. And I had to stop running for quite a while. Mm-hmm. I think it. I wasn't angry at God, but I was just so angry about how Dan, would, how Dan felt. Mm-hmm. And that came out when I was running because that's all you know, you, that's all you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. You're really not thinking about anything else or I wasn't. And then after he passed, that's when running felt so much better and so much more of a worshipful experience for me. And even mm-hmm. more so I will still cry, but it's more joy. It's tears of joy and just thankfulness for how God is walking us through this journey. Mm-hmm. 
so running for sure and then the other thing the other way I retreat that's been different from before Dan died is I have such a desire to spend time with the Lord in prayer and worshiping through music and then journaling where I will you know some evenings I'll get the kids to bed and then I won't do any work for school (laughs) and I'll just say nope I need an hour with Jesus and I will just do that and I desire that so much more than I ever did before so I'm so thankful for how especially with my relationship with Norman how that is has totally just drawn me to the Lord closer to the Lord and seeking him for Mm -hmm. for everything my growth and and future it just sounds like your soul is thirsty and you're going to the living water yes to drink yep for sure my other question is if you were to use the hashtag celebrate weird to describe something about yourself what would that be (laughs) (laughs) oh man probably lots of different things (laughs) i'm sure people look at us and think they are so weird one thing I guess that people always bring up is the Sturkins don't wear coats. And here we mm. live in in Minnesota. Did you see me walk in your house with a coat on? Nope. I guess I wore a vest, vest. today. Honestly, right from the get-go, I remember when Lauren was little and I would check her into nursery at church. Mm-hmm. I had people say, why don't you put a coat on her? You should put, put, put a coat on her. You know, it's winter. Mm-hmm. But I just think we walk from a warm house to a warm car back into a warm building. Why wear a coat? So uh, none of us, sometimes Dan would wear a coat, but none of us really ever wear coats anywhere. <laughs> and uh, we, get, we get comments on that, that we're crazy and weird and we're, mm-hmm. you know, we, we're going to catch cold and all of this. <laughs> so that, that's one way we celebrate, I guess. Yeah, celebrate weird. Yeah, that's great. Well, again, thank you so much for coming to the table and sharing your story. Thanks a lot for having me. Thank you for joining me at the table. Any links or anything that we talked about during the show can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe. Or if you've already subscribed, please go leave a review so others can find us too. If you want to keep up with what's happening with Retreat House, you can find us at at Retreat House Podcast. If you want to keep up with what's happening with me, you can find me at at Angela Smith MN. Again, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week at the Retreat House Podcast. Mm-hmm.